0: Romans. Uh, we are at a, another one of those turning points in the book of Romans. So hope you're t- t- taking notes, keeping track as we travel along here. We have uh, this week and next week in Romans. Then we'll take uh, one Sunday off uh, Labor Day weekend. It'll just be a, an open Sunday. We're, we're not going to be in Romans, but we won't be starting a new series yet. So you'll find out what I'm talking about when you get here. So will I. Um, and then after that, September 11th, we start a four-week series in the book of Nahum, Just Love. Uh, it's a great title. You'll figure it out as you go. Just Love. And that's what we'll be into in September. And then uh, we'll go back to Romans throughout the rest of the fall into winter, and then we'll, we'll break off for... Christmas and have our series there. So that's what's coming. Hope you're following. Hope you're tracking. Uh, Just so you as a church knows, uh, we do plan on having our next family night treehouse session starts on October the 5th, the first Wednesday in October. And uh, we've got a couple of adult uh, opportunities for the, uh, the adult breakout groups. Or what do we call those again? I never remember. Equipping groups. The adult equipping groups. Uh, I know Julie Gleason's leading one. I'm leading one. Mary Sovis is leading the children's treehouse this session. And just to remind everybody, we have backed off a little bit schedule-wise, so we're only doing two sessions a year. In that family night treehouse, we used to do two, um, and then one in the winter, or two in the spring, I don't know, but we're only doing two. One in the fall, and then one in the uh, winter springtime. Uh, help everybody out with our busy schedules and things. So that is our plan. We'll let you know that information as soon as we have it ready to go. Are you ready this morning? Let's pray together. Would you pray this prayer? Would you say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give God that prayer. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray everyone hearing this would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Gospel urgency keeps coming up in this series. I saw this this week. I got an email from my friend Barry. He was uh, sending us an article that had a lot to do with this Uh, gospel urgency. And I love what Oswald J. Smith said, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. And that's just the truth. Uh, If if we're not going to be about a church that's a so that church, so that we can share the gospel, uh, and it all turns inward. And whenever a church, I'm going to tell you historically, whenever a church turns the focus inward, what we like, what we want, uh, that just gets ugly quick. We start turning on each other then. You know, we, we remove the, the the driving force for the church by not being an evangelizing church. We become a consuming church, and we end up consuming each other because I want my way, I want my way, I want my way. If instead... We put the focus on gospel urgency. The reason we exist is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Simple as that. No ulterior motives. Gospel urgency. And and that's what we need to be about. When we do that, then we as a church have a combined interest and goal. Then we're with, everybody say with, we're with each other in the larger goal. We got to be about that. Again, the the opposite is not what we want. The church that does not evangelize will fossilize. And so we are at a point in Romans where there's one of these great therefores. Now, remember, I taught you the, the ergo does not get you into heaven. No, therefore will get you into heaven. You need a denach, right? But now. The big uh, B-U-T, buts of the Bible. Those are essential for us to be saved. But there's three important therefores in the book of Romans, okay? We'll talk about those in just a second. We'll talk about the big idea right now. Today's big idea is a believer's hope. Everybody say Hope. Hope is important. Just yesterday, uh, um, my son-in-law was at our house and, and my daughter's home and, and their puppy, my puppy grandchild is there. And uh, he was watching Shawshank Redemption. He was trying to remember the ending of Shawshank Redemption. We were watching, I've seen it many a times. And, and I didn't realize until I watched it that that movie is about one word, <laughs> Hope. There's a scene where they're sitting around a table. Uh, One of the main characters had just gotten out of the hole. He'd been in the hole for two weeks because, remember, he locked himself in the warden's office and put the record player on the intercom and played beautiful classical music. Just gorgeous Mozart, right? And uh, they finally had to break the door down, put him in a hole for two weeks. When he came out of the hole and went and sat at the table for dinner, they're like, but that was dumb. That wasn't worth it. He goes, it was worth every second. And and they didn't understand. And, and they're like, we, we can barely do a week in there. How'd you do two weeks? He said, well, Mozart was with me. And they said, you snuck the record player into the... No, he was here. He was here. And then he tried to make the point in prison, if you have no hope, you've lost life. And, and they were... I love what Morgan Freeman... I'd never had heard this before. When the guy was trying to explain that to Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman... Hit the table and looked at him, and he said, Hope is a dangerous thing. Then, at the end of the movie, when Morgan was out of jail looking for his friend and making the journey, in the background, he says, His voice just says, Hope is a beautiful thing. I'm here to tell you that a believer's hope is everything. Hope is the reoccurring word, theme, in all movies, television. You might not believe me, but Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Ozark. These are some of the darkest, darkest things on TV, but they're all about hope. Each episode, the leading character, which is an anti-hero, is always doing something just so they would have another 24 hours of Hope. I'm not suggesting that we live out any of those movies. Stranger Things four. Don't don't judge me. Vecna's curse. I'm all about Stranger Things four. I my my telephone ringtone is the grandfather clock. That's what my telephone ring is. I and I realized hope. They're fighting against hope. Uh, Hopper's in a Russian prison and. And it gets insane with aliens and all sorts of crazy stuff going on there. But they're they're all looking for hope. Everybody say hope. Maybe you'll relate to this old people. Uh, Star Wars. I mean, one of the episodes is called what? A new Hope. hope. I mean, if you really think about it, and I challenge you maybe for a week as you're watching TV or as you're watching a movie, just ask yourself if the theme is not hope of some kind. And this morning, I get the opportunity to come to you and explain to you what Paul is trying to turn the corner and say, because in Romans 1 through 3, it's all about uh, conviction. You know, you're you're sinful, right? We're convicted of our sinfulness, so it's conviction, and then there's uh, justification. But now, Romans 3, 21, but now, Jesus died, there's hope for salvation, hope. And now he's turning a corner to go a little further into heading us toward sanctification. I mean, Paul's just brilliant in the way he writes this. So we're at Romans 5, 1 through 5. Let's take a look here. Let's read it together, and then I'll go verse by verse, and then we'll make some points and we'll get out of here. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through... to us, I had to stop there. In my original plan, I was supposed to preach Romans 5, 1 through 25. You know, I'm just tired of it. <laughs> we got to break these things down a little bit. More, more bite-sized chews, right? And so we're just doing five verses today. What are we in a hurry for, right? Let's take our time. Five verses. It starts with the important word, therefore. You know the old preacher statement, whenever you come to a therefore, you got to stop and look, what is it therefore? Therefore can never start a conversation. So like when you're home this afternoon, don't walk up to your wife and say, therefore. You can't start a conversation with therefore. There was something preceding it that it's referring back to. Paul is saying everything I've already told you about your guilt of sin, Jesus' payment, Faith is the only way, but it's by grace, all of that, all of that now, therefore, everybody say therefore. All of that wrapped into one. By the way, there's three important therefores in Romans. This is first one, Romans five, one, in Romans eight, one, and then Romans twelve one, there's gonna be therefore's, and we have to take stock then. Where is he at? <laughs> Everything he said before this. So now here's our first therefore. Here we are. He gives a statement that is a key statement. He says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, there it is. That's the key assertion. We've been justified by faith. Reminder, Paul made it very clear. You don't get into heaven by your grandpa's faith. You don't get in by your daddy's faith. You don't get in by heritage. You don't just get salvation because your family was religious. That doesn't work. You don't get in by your good works. Remember, Paul made it very clear that it's not by works. No man can be good enough or measure up enough. Remember, uh, uh, no, it was at Camp Barico. I'm confused. Um, we talked about, uh, not Nebuchadnezzar, but the guy after him, Belshazzar. Belshazzar was king. And God wrote on the wall. And he wrote, many tekel parson. Just a hand showed up in the banquet room and wrote on the wall. Freaked out the king. Turned white as a ghost. Knees were actually knocking. That's what the Bible says. His knees began to shake and knock. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does it mean? Mene, tekel, parson. And it means your days are numbered. You've been weighed on a scale and found wanting. And tonight you die. Three words. That middle one. You've been weighed on the scale and found wanting wanting. Guys, we can't put ourselves on a scale and hope that God's going to say, oh, you're good enough. You're, you're nice enough. He's not going to say, you're better than your neighbor. Well, she's a thing. You know, he's not going to do that. You don't get compared to the people down the street. You don't get compared to, and, and that's a wonderful gift. That's what Tracy was talking about this morning. We've got a champion who conquered sin and death for us. His name is Jesus. Because we've All been put on the scale and we've been found wanting, less than, not capable. That's what we're reminded of when Paul says, we've been justified by faith. Friends, put your faith in God. Put your faith and hope and trust in God. He will not disappoint. And it's not about the quality of your faith or the quantity of your faith. Just put your faith in God. Cross the line of faith and say, I'm all in. God, I'm trusting you. Have you done that? Has there been a point in your life when you've decided, I am in, all in, by faith? If that's true, is this popping and cracking happening in your heads or is it just mine? Okay. Is it, Mark, do I need to do something? Don't tell me to stay still. They're going to tell me to stay still. I'll try. I'll try. Um, something's popping and cracking. I don't know what's happening, Mark. So I'll try to stay as still as possible. Where was I at? Um, we've been justified by faith, is this key assertion. In verse 1, we find out there's some great things that come with that. We have peace with God. Isn't that a great thing? That verse tells us because we've been justified by faith, now we have peace with God. I was talking about Tracy, that's right. I was talking, maybe this help? Check, check. Am I okay? You want me to do anything different? Okay. She was talking about our champion. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the way. It's not about you. It's not about anything you can do or add to it. Remember last week I told you it's not Jesus plus you. It's not Jesus plus your good work. No, it's Jesus, period. Jesus, period. So we have peace with God. Only through Jesus. Don't you like how Paul has to keep making those qualifying statements? Even though he's really exhausted the whole thought, he reminds us once again, you're justified by faith, so you have peace with God. But that's only through Jesus. Does he call him just Jesus there? Look at your text. What are the three words used in this when he tries to explain who Jesus is. He calls him what? Lord Jesus Christ. This is interesting because this is one of the first times that Paul has put together a a gospel trilogy thought in how he's explaining who Jesus is. This explanation in three words is the gospel. See, Lord is a word for deity. This is not just Jesus a man. Right, who then later found out that he was God's plan. No, no, this was God's son sent. Amen? God's son sent. This is deity. So he adds Lord. Everybody say Lord. And then he says Jesus. Jesus is his proper name. Hashua in the Old Old Testament. Right? Joshua. Hashua. Jesus. The word means Savior. So even in these two words, we've got God from heaven, Jesus, who's the Savior, and then he adds this word, Christos, Christ. I'm going to turn it off, Mark. And if it's still got effects on it, it's going to sound really cool. Because we can't sing, we've got to have effects going on. I'll try to stand in front of this as much as I can today. Um, Christos, Christ the word Christ means Messiah. This is a reference to Jesus is the appointed one. And so by saying this, Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is not just trying to add words. He's not got a a, a word quota that he's got to do to turn in this assignment, right? Then you just get fluffy. He's not getting fluffy. He's actually being gospel urgent by telling us this Jesus. He's more than just Jesus. There was a lot of Jesus walking around at the day. That was a Proper name. I mean, people love the name Jesus. Joshua, And they they use this name, Joshua. My son's name is Joshua. We like the name, Joshua, Jesus. He's making sure everybody understands it's not just a guy. This is the Lord from heaven, Savior, the appointed Messiah, the one that was talked about. He's making it very clear, the gospel, who Jesus is. That's verse one. Verse two, we get the word through. Everybody say through. So Paul uses through a lot. It's through Jesus, and it's through faith, right? Jesus is the door. The Bible makes it very clear. He's the only door that you must walk through to get to God. He is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is who you go through. Remember in the Old Testament, we had that story of Jacob climbing the ladder to heaven, and the angels were ascending and descending from heaven. We find out later in the New Testament that Jesus is that ladder, He's the door. He's the ladder. He's the road. He's the way. It's Jesus. We go through him. To obtain what? To obtain a standing in grace, verse 2 says. I often tell you that when you go to heaven and meet God, he's going to want to know who's paying for the sin. Remember, I always talk about this. And what are you going to say on that day? It's all about standing. Being able to stand before the judge. If you're, if you're guilty with no hope, that's the knee-knocking moment, right? And I, I've told you my story. I've stood before a judge, dead guilty before, right? It has to do with driving, of course. I've stood there knowing I'm, I'm just done. I've got no excuse. He's going to just, you know, pfft. Instead, that judge said, dismissed. I didn't deserve that. I was standing there with no standing. <laughs> but he chose to give grace, I'm counting on that when I get to heaven. I'm counting. I'm hoping in the biblical way, I'm hoping in faith and trust that God is going to allow me to have proper standing. The only way I'm going to have proper standing is through Jesus. Matter of fact, let's just make it right. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's my only standing. On that day, I will stand. And then he talks about boasting. Boasting. I love that. When you read things, do you stop and think, whoa, he just did a huge contrast. Because we've been told over and over again, do not boast. There is no boasting for the Jew. There is no boasting for the good person. There's no boasting. Do not boast. And then all of a sudden, we have, in verse 3, let's see, 2 says, "Though through whom we have gained access through faith into this grace which we now stand, and we boast. Paul, you've said not to boast. But what do we boast in? We boast in the hope, everybody say hope, of the glory of God. So our boasting now changes. There's no boasting before. The only boasting we have is in our God. The word boast means to exalt. We cannot exalt ourselves, but we can exalt our God. This is gospel urgency. Paul is saying, this is what we exalt, proclaim, present with your lives, that we are saved because of God. We do not boast in ourselves. We now exalt something more than ourselves. Our focus is not on self, but God's provision. He's the hope of the glory of God. There is more than what is here and now. There's more than what we have here and now. I hope you understand that. It's so easy to get caught up in what we have happening here now, what we're hoping for this week. What empty hopes we give. I, I hoped for three days we were going to be able to have this thing tonight. I just kept watching the, you know, foolish pursuit of hope, right? Watching forecast, watching forecast. I'm taking screenshots of forecasts so that I can compare them two hours later to the new forecast. And and I'm hoping, I'm hoping. You know what? <sighs> what, what a waste of hope. What a waste of hope. If, if you want to know weather, I love, I love Dave Rexarth. I, I love Rexy. Rexy's my favorite forecaster. He's great. He's wonderful. But I just had the feeling they're guessing pretty much. And I love him still. But he, his best attempt would be like, hey, everybody, there's weather today. Go outside and see what it's like. <laughs> right? I mean, they're good at it. No, they are good at it. But they just, I mean, they forecasted rain all day yesterday. Possible hail. I got a sprinkle. What about you? Anybody? I mean, nothing. And so hope, we hope. That's why God says, don't do it, don't hope. Don't put your hope in the here and now. Don't put your hope in what you have today or what you hope to have tomorrow. Forget the nonsense of a silly hope and exchange it for a presentation to the world of our real hope, the gospel, Jesus Christ. And then he goes to verse 3. We glory then. I, you know, Paul's a genius. I mean, look what he's done so far today. He, he's, he's talked about hope, and then he moved hope to a different thing, and then he talked about, uh, and then all of a sudden it's boasting, and then now all of a sudden he's talking about glory, and, and the hope in glory, that's the future tense. That's like what's coming, glory. And then he says, now glory in your sufferings. He's brilliant. He's brilliant how he just takes words and he makes you think. We're to glory in our salvation. And that glory is not on us, it's on God. We should present that. But then we turn it around and he tells us to glory in our sufferings. Really? Sufferings. And I believe what he's talking about there is real tribulation. I mean, real Christian suffering. I want to warn us to be careful with that. A lot of what we call suffering in, in uh, Western America is is very little suffering. There's some, I know some of you are like, oh, it's so bad. But but really, I mean, you know, let me just tell you, I was at Camp baracle over a week ago and, and I was having a discussion. I was discussing all the Yetis and all the other fancy coffee cups that I have and how none of them work. And I was with some coffee people, and we love coffee, and I really like good coffee. But I just, I bought the Yeti. I got the fanciest, most expensive Yeti, but it's got a magnet snap top thingy, right? You know the slide thing? You know the problem with that, right? You open it to drink, and if you forget to close it, the coffee gets cold, But if you close it every time, you go to drink and you get nothing. And then you're like me. You try to open it with your tongue. It's a mess. It just doesn't work. And we were like, oh, yes. We were all agreeing. Oh, whoa. Whoa is me. How can it be that coffee can be so difficult? And somebody said, but hey, alas, Pastor Don, there is a cup called Contigo. And Contigo has a button, a button. I said, there is such a thing? Yes, yes, I ordered it. By the time I got home from camp, it was on my porch. How rough do we really have it? (laughs) I, I mean, seriously, first world problems. Say it with me. First world problems. I do like the cup, by the way. One issue I have in life has finally been solved, praise the Lord. But seriously, when talking about tribulation and suffering that Paul's talking about, he's talking about people who've turned their life over to Jesus, who've been baptized, which was a visible declaration of a following of Jesus. And those people were ostracized. Those people were kicked out of their families. These people's lost jobs. They were no longer to do commerce. That is suffering. The moment when you declare yourself a Jesus follower and you're no longer able to go to work, you're no longer able to buy goods, you're no longer able to be loved by your own family, then we'll talk about suffering. I want to be very careful. There's a lot of discussion about our government and what they're done through COVID and stuff. I just have to tell you as the pastor of this church, Nobody ever called and told me we could not gather. Nobody ever called and told me I could not preach. Nobody ever called and, they didn't call and tell me nothing. I know, I, I know. As Christians, sometimes we want to get to this suffering, so we kind of make it up in a sense. Prayers kicked out of public school. No, it's not. Your Christian kids can pray there anytime they want. They can gather with other friends and pray there. If our Christian kids are in the schools, they can pray. We were going downtown tonight, friends, and in a microphone, I was going to sing 12 songs about Jesus and preach a message about Jesus, and they didn't care that we did that. I, I know. I know things are ugly and have been getting uglier. I know. I know that, 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 that perhaps they're trying to strip some things away from us, and we might eventually get to that point. But I have to let you know, I called our township offices during COVID to say, we're going back in person. And I... I thought about it and prayed about it. I thought it would be only right to tell them we're going back in person. And so I thought about it, wrote out some notes and stuff, and I called Brandon Township to tell them that we were going to come back to live services. I got them on the phone and I said, listen, I don't know who I need to talk to, but I'm letting you know as the pastor of Oakwood Community Church that we've made the decision with the elder board that we're going back to live services. And their response was amazing. They said, we don't care. <laughs> I'm like, no, wait, I worked on this for a day to explain to you. I was going to tell you my 10-tiered reason why we were going back. You know, they, we don't care. If you want to call the sheriff and tell him, you can, okay, I'm going to call the sheriff. I called the sheriff, and I told him, sheriff, we've given this thought and prayer, and we don't want to do anything against anything. We're just, we're just telling you that we believe. We've made the decision. We're going. He goes, I don't care. <laughs> uh, again, I know. And understand there's suffering, but there's real tribulation for Christians in China, in, 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 in Muslim countries, and in other places in our world where their lives are threatened. I want us to be careful. When talking about these kind of things, the, the, the quote that I read was they can kill you, but they can't hurt you. That's true. That's true. I read the uh, the story of the martyrs. Rinkin, I remember Rinkin was walled in because of her faith. They were putting bricks up, sealing her in to a wall. And at every level they would ask her, "Will you recant your faith?" And Rinkin would say, "I cannot." They got to the last brick. And ask her one last time, will you recant Jesus Christ? I cannot. And they sealed her in where she died. In the Book of Martyrs, it talks about a story where a young man would carry his Bible. And while walking down the street, they took a sword and disemboweled him, cut him wide open until his bowels came out because he was carrying a Bible. We are not. We are not facing that in America today. It might come to that point. My goal is not to try to stop that from happening. My goal is to prepare us and you for when that happens, because God never told us to fight against this world. He told us to exist in this world. Sometimes we live at peace and the world gives us peace and the wind is in our sails. Sometimes the wind goes against us and it's in our face. The question isn't us getting our way in every one of those scenarios. The question is, how do you respond when the wind is at your back and the sails are full? Were we gospel urgent people? Was the church out there doing everything we could to share the gospel when the winds were for us? When, when Billy Graham would preach and we could uh, constantly point people toward an evangelist Did we do what we were supposed to do? So the question is, when the wind's in your face, what will we do? How will we stand? It's not about stopping the wind from hitting our face. We as Christians have never been told to tear down the world's monuments and to avoid the fire. We've been told to head to the fire and God will be with you. Glory glory in your sufferings. They can kill you, but they can't hurt you. As a believer, I know that's true. It's hard and real. Jay and I were talking about this. Both of us have had this experience where we thought we might be dying. And when you think you're dying, all of a sudden you start realizing how much you're holding on to this life, right? On a good day when I'm feeling healthy, I'm I'm like, yes, anytime, Lord. I'm ready to go. I'm at peace with God. And then you get a diagnosis of a pancreatic cancer, and you're like, wait a second, no! (laughs) I don't actually want to die. Remember the country song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go right now? Yeah. And so Paul is letting us know suffering and tribulation is real for the believer. They can kill you, but they can't hurt you. And then he says, honestly, it's good for you. A little suffering will produce what? Perseverance, sticking with itness, endurance. Perseverance produces character, and proven character produces hope. That's what verse 4 says. Verse 5 says, hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because we have God's love and his Holy Spirit. That's the breakdown of this whole passage. Five verses, Paul brilliantly lays it out for us. And so I'll give you quick points today. A believer's hope. After reading all this, you have to put this as point number one. Through faith, we've been justified. That was Paul's big statement. His meta narrative was, by faith, we've been justified. Through Jesus, through grace, justified before God. That's gospel urgency. The Bible would say we should present that. Present that to the world. Our hope. We should always be prepared for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have within you gospel urgency. And that brings us to number two, by grace, we stand. By grace, we can stand. And I think I found three things where we need to stand. Number one, we stand with a clear conscience before God. Amen. That's peace with God. Can you stand before God today with a conscience clear Knowing that you're a sinful person, but my conscience is clear because I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and his forgiveness removes sin, I can stand before God with a clear conscience. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who believe. Can you stand before God with a clear conscience? The second thing I see is we can stand through suffering with God. With, everybody say with. That's an important word around Oakwood because as what I learned through the Oxford shooting scenario is the importance of with, being with people. The whole world was for Oxford until there was another shooting and then they move on. The whole world's for us, but only us are with us. We're with. And so being with our town through this is important. Why? Because God did that for us. He sent Jesus here. Emmanuel, God with us, with. So we will stand through suffering with God. I hope you don't leave today upset at me because I know, I know and agree that, that the world's heading in a wrong direction. Believe me, I understand that. I'm not saying it's great today. It's not. I just don't think we're at where some people say we're at. We might be heading there though, friends. So my goal isn't to tell you everything's fine. Don't, don't believe that for a second. I believe we're toward the end times, and I believe that we're heading toward a time when believers, even in America, will have to stand in their faith or face true persecution. I believe that day is coming. I just finished the Elephant in the Room series. I sincerely believe that three out of those six messages in the future will land me in jail. I do believe it. You might think that's a little crazy talk, but I do believe there's coming a day when if I stand here and say, God says this, that they will come and put me in cuffs and put me in a jail cell for hate. That's coming, but we're not there yet is what I want to say. Don't jump the gun and say we're there when we're not there yet. And when it does happen, I'm the first to go relax, okay? When they, see, when they see me dragged out in handcuffs, then you really ought to start thinking about what is my response going to be. You ought to be thinking about it now. We stand through suffering with God, never alone. We stand with. Third thing, we stand unashamed with hope from God. Do you see this? We can stand before God because he stands with us, and we we have hope from him. Do you see all those different words? Before, with, from. We stand unashamed with hope from God. I want to give you two verses. One hails back to the Messiah talk about Christ, and that's found in Matthew 16, 16. Remember when Simon Peter answered this? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Remember? Remember when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Remember how when he got that right? Simon Peter nailed this answer because he said, you are Christos. You are Lord Jesus Christ. He got it right in his answer. You're the Messiah, son of the living God. Friends, is that your answer today of who Jesus is? Is he your Lord, Savior, Messiah? That's number one. Number two is I want to take you to John three sixteen and verse seventeen. We we love John three sixteen and we love it around here, right? But we often leave out seventeen, and 17's huge. Let's let's do John three sixteen. Uh, no, that's first John. We need the, the actual John three sixteen. Go ahead and find it. They know the first part. Ready for God? Oh, you're getting there, right? We we do so really big here. Ready for God? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. I love that word whosoever because I'm a whosoever. Tim, you're a whosoever. And, and, and Y'all are whosoever's. Go ahead and just put your hand in the air right now. Everybody, put your hand in the air. Say, I'm a whosoever. And John 3.16 declares that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen to that. That's John 3.16. But then let's see what he went on to say. In verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Don't forget what the gospel writers were trying to get across here. God loves us. Jesus wasn't sent here to condemn the world. The law condemns us. Jesus came to save us. We get the opportunity to present Jesus. Why? Everybody say hope. He's the hope, a believer's hope. Do you have him today? Do you know him today? Are you gospel urgent today to tell people about Jesus, not the one who comes to condemn, but the one who comes to free and to save? Today, as you're sitting here, do you know him? Do you know him as your savior? Have you allowed him to be your champion? I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going we're to close with that song, Champion, one more time. You are my champion. And I know there's, there's words in this song that talks about I have uh, the authority. But the song points at Jesus, not at me. I know some groups might take this and say, oh, man, I got all this power. I got all this. No, no, no. This, this song, I think, is pointing us to Jesus. You are my champion. Undefeated <laughs> by the power of your grace. That's Jesus. Do you know him today? And if you know him, are you sharing him today? If he's your champion, we ought to tell the world about him and be urgent about it. Let's close in song. I'll, I'll pray us into this song, and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we pray. As believers in a dangerous time, Lord, we do believe the winds have changed. We do believe that our society is heading further and further and further away from a tolerance of biblical truth. We understand that. Lord, we do hopefully see and understand that there's coming a day when we we possibly will have to stand at tribulation when the world's saying either recant Jesus or die and and Father, we all have a choice to make then, but Father, at this point, help us to be careful. Help us be careful. Help us not to invent things that aren't there, help us to understand where things are possibly heading, but God help us to commit to glory in our sufferings and to to persevere help us to uh, look to our champion and understand that everything that's been done is finished we have revelation, we know what the end of the story is, that they can kill us but they can't hurt us Father, to be absent with this body is to be present with the Lord, I believe it I believe it that's our hope, and it's not some silly hope like weather forecasts, like hitting the lottery God, this is a blessed hope and a glorious assurance. God, we put our faith in our champion. And because so doing, we glory in Jesus. We glory in your salvation. And we have glory in our sufferings all on account of what you've done. In Jesus' name. Stand with us and let's sing us out today.